In a world filled with spyware, ransomware, fish, and more, we need you to be the hero. In this podcast, information protection and security is bringing new ways to fight back against the dangerous actors looking to do digital and physical harm. We'll give you everything you need to know on a different topic of risk every month. Coming to you from IPS with Love. Welcome to From IPS with Love. Our guest today is John Nekrasov, and he's a communications specialist in the Information Protection and Security Department at HCA Healthcare. Welcome, John. Thanks, Lisa. Happy to be here. Today, we're going to talk about phishing, and not the kind you do outside with a pole, but the phishing that happens when cyber criminals contact you and try to get your information um, or get you to send them money. So John is going to talk about some new trends in phishing. Um, and John, let's back up and just start, talk a bit about what phishing encompasses. Yeah, sure. So, you know, naturally, when you're thinking about phishing, you naturally start with thinking about emails, which is maybe the most common type of phishing attack. Um, but it's much broader than that. Phishing schemes can happen over email, over text, over the phone, um, even over like internet ads. And um, what they all have in common is that they're basically schemes that are luring you to click on a link or give up your information in some way. Um, on an individual level, criminals will target you to get your passwords, to get your payment information, like your credit card number, um, even trying to steal your entire identity. But they'll often target entire companies as well, and that's when things get much more complex. Um, companies like ours that are healthcare companies are prime targets because patient data is so valuable. Um, and the consequences of a data breach, if one person makes a mistake, can be enormous. There was a pharmacy services provider called Pharmerica this year that announced a breach and 5.8 million patients' data was compromised. And that included names, addresses, social security numbers, um, medication information, insurance information. And when that happens, you know, the consequences can be dire, both for the company and for the people who are involved. Oh, sure. Right. And in healthcare, we're obviously super aware of that because patients' lives could be at stake. Right. Um, okay. So it does have, phishing does have a similarity to um, physical phishing because these criminals are throwing out a bait, right? They can't, um, they, they want to get information from you that will help them access your network or your personal device. Uh, and certainly phishing is nothing new. It's been around since probably the mid 90s. Um, but what has changed in recent years? How has it evolved? Yeah, I mean, naturally, like the the first example we think of with phishing is like the Nigerian prince scammer, right? Who emails you and says like, hi, you're like a 15th cousin of mine. You've inherited $3 million. Please send me your financial information and I'll send you all this money, right? So back when people didn't really know what phishing was, maybe you'd be much more likely to click on that and say, oh, wow, I really earned all this money, right? But that's obviously not the case. We know that now. Um, so as kind of the scope of the internet has expanded, as things have become more complicated and there are new ways to attack people through phishing, the creativity of phishing attacks has naturally increased because criminals are always trying to find ways to, you know, to be novel, to be unique, to get past kind of your natural defenses that you're putting up. Um, and so that's where generative AI actually comes mm -hmm. in. Um, Obviously, artificial intelligence has been something that we've kind of talked about in society for the last year, almost universally. Literally, it's everywhere. Um, you know, whether you're talking about movie scripts or working in a hospital or anything like that. 
AI is literally everywhere. And that also applies to cybercrime, actually. Um, so cybercrime gangs are often based outside the U.S. And that means that, you know, they're cri the criminals may not be speaking fluent English. Um, and naturally, when you get an email from a big company like Amazon, you expect it to be worded kind of fluently. You expect it to not have a lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. So if an email comes in that is claiming to be from a big company that's trying to scam you, and it just there are a lot of errors in it, you naturally, you're on your guard. You'd expect it mm -hmm. to not be correct, right? But AI means that drafting phishing emails for criminals is much easier. You can just if you have a basic command of English, you can put a command in to a chatbot and it can draft it immediately. And so those lures become much more sophisticated and that makes them much harder to spot. Right, because that's a huge red flag that really no longer applies. Um, and we have to kind of use uh, use a little more of our skills to dig deeper and look for different red flags that might indicate um, beyond grammar or misspelling, right? That's right. More and more we're seeing fish that look almost identical to the real thing. You know, if you get an invoice from a vendor that you're working with, um, we're, we've seen examples here at HCA, you know, where invoices come in that are basically identical to the real thing. Um, in and branding, no, yeah, logos, right. No errors at all. And so the common theme here is that criminals are becoming more sophisticated on the one hand, and the easy tells that we used to have just don't cut it anymore. And that means that we need to be more educated and more skeptical about basically all communications that come to you, both at work and at home. That makes a lot of sense. And, and you've really kind of shown the power of the individual, how mm -hmm. it really is one person falling for this, that cyber criminals as a business send out, it's fair to say, millions of phishing lures, right? And they just need to get that one, exactly. one person to take it. Um, well, what other trends in phishing are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, a lot of them tie into that same theme we're talking about, which is that criminals' tactics are just getting smarter across the board. And a lot of that connects to the fact that cybersecurity as an industry has just become a lot more developed, right? Like mm -hmm. companies can block vast numbers of phishing attacks just immediately. The phishing email comes into the company and immediately it's been blocked. Um, so that means that criminals have to go a lot deeper. They have to take their attacks a layer deeper and target them a lot more. You know, when you send a huge phishing email out to say 10,000 people, you're hoping that a couple people click on it. You know, naturally, even when you intentionally send an email to someone, often they'll just like delete it or read over it or just move <laughs> on. So criminals have to rely on numbers in that circumstance to really be effective. The other strategy that they can take is to have a much smaller net and target it a lot more. And that's what we call spear phishing. And with spear phishing, you collect a lot of information about somebody and then craft a lure specifically designed to trick that person or a specific group of people. And so you're relying on the fact that they're much more likely to click on that email than just like the email targeted at 10,000 people. Sure. And when a criminal impersonates an executive in your company to do that, that's what we call BEC. BEC, okay, so that's business email compromise. Um, and we've seen that certainly at HCA where obviously the names of our executives, our CEO are, are out there so they can get that information and then say, hey, John, you know, your CEO wants you to do something. Um, and that makes us less likely to question it, right? We want to respond immediately, mm -hmm. of course. Um, but explain a bit how, how BEC works, because it's a pretty sophisticated scam, right? Right, yeah. I mean, it's, it's sophisticated in that it relies on social engineering instead mm -hmm. of on 
installing malware in your computer. Naturally, when with most phishing attacks, you send an email and you're trying to use the whole email to convince someone to click on a link to either install malware in their computer or download an attachment or something like that. With BEC, a criminal is posing as an executive, like you said, um, either with a spoofed email address or with actually taking over someone's email address. And then they basically just communicate with you for a while. They don't strike. They don't ask for anything. Mm -hmm. They just want you to fully believe that they are who they say they are. Mm -hmm. Once they've got your trust, then they're going to ask you for your financial information or they're going to ask you to just transfer the money straight out. And that's where things get complicated because if you get a request from your manager and you believe it's your manager and they're like, do this thing for me, much less if it's the CEO of your company, you're going to be much more likely to say, oh, I should probably do that as opposed to like, you know, if your next door neighbor in the cubicle sends the same <laughs> request, right? Right. So you can't screen it out. Um, and BC is growing exponentially for that reason. Proofpoint, a cybersecurity firm, does a yearly report on phishing trends. And it found that Bormit and it found that board members around the world said BEC was their biggest concern in 2022. And for good reason. Um, in 2021, $2.4 billion in losses were reported to the FBI, which in 2016, that number was $360 million. So, like, we're looking at a dramatic increase in the threat landscape. Which, which means it's working, right? right. They keep doing it um, because they're, they're earning money off of it, the criminals, mm. right? And that's making them able to hire more hackers and, and be more successful, right? Right. And so as they're doing that, they're adding more technological capabilities to their arsenal for BEC attacks. Mm -hmm. And deepfake technology brings a whole new layer into this. Um, there was a story reported on by Forbes in 2021, which talked about how a Japanese company lost $400,000 because someone deepfaked an executive's voice, said, we need to transfer for an acquisition, send mm -hmm. us this money right away. And it sounded just like their manager, you know, the, the director or CEO of the company. And so the person said, here's the money. Here you go. Wow. And and remind us now, deepfake is not just audio. It can be video as well, right? Mm -hmm. They can manipulate it convincingly enough so that it looks like um, it's someone you know. Right. So, yeah, often they'll do it via Zoom. You know, you'll have a little outline of a person that looks, you know, pretty similar. You may not be like it wouldn't hold up to a ton of scrutiny, but mm -hmm. you expect low quality video from a Zoom call, right? So, you know, think about how likely you are to be convinced by a bunch of emails that, you know, may seem like they're coming from your boss. And then say your boss, quote unquote, emails you and says, transfer me this money and then calls you five <laughs> minutes later and mm -hmm. sounds exactly like your boss and says, hey, I need you to transfer this money. You're going to be much more likely to do that. Um, Wow, that's super scary, and um, I mean worrisome because it makes it, 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 it. What power do we have? How how can we protect ourselves, really? Right, it's complicated, and just means that you need to be aware of what's going on. Mm -hmm. like you need to be skeptical about every request that comes to you because even if it seems like something is legitimate, even if you don't have any reason to question it, you still. If you get an unusual request, and we'll talk about this a little later, you always need to be on your guard because mm -hmm. people's mm -hmm. identity is just not as clear on the Internet anymore. Um, so it seems like with a lot of the technology um, and with obviously the growth in these cyber criminals, it's it's less obvious when mm -hmm. you're being fished. Um, so are there red flags we can all look for? 
Definitely are. And, you know, as you are double and triple checking things validity, we actually have an acronym um, here in information protection and security that allows you to kind of look out for uh, red flags. And it's actually, handily enough, FISH. Um, <laughs> so the P in FISH stands for personal information reference or request. Um, in other words, before phishing you, a criminal will try to learn things about you, like we talked about earlier, to target you. And then they use that information to seem more credible when they ask you for an action. So that's the first thing you need to look out for. Um, the H stands for hyperlink or attachment. Uh, we talked about some longer term schemes like BC that don't use that. But the vast majority still want you to click a malicious link. So look out for that in emails. The I stands for improbable ask. And we actually changed this one. It used to stand for inaccurate information. But due to the changes with AI, you know, that may be the case or it may not be the case. You kind of need to be thinking not just does this information not line up with what I know about my job, but also is this email out of place? Is this email coming from someone who it shouldn't be, right? Like, mm. would the CEO of my company be emailing me to buy a bunch of gift cards? Like, probably not, right? Mm -hmm. So be aware of that. The S stands for suspicious sender. So is the email domain spelled correctly? Um, is it coming from a public domain like a Gmail or an Outlook? If you're expecting an email to come from inside your network and it's coming from outside your network, that may be a red flag that it's not actually legitimate. And then finally, the H stands for hurry up and respond. Um, threat actors try to use urgency to convince you to act without thinking. So always take a step back and think before you act. Yeah, I think that last that last H is really important because I think with all that's going on and all that's changing, um, even when you're in the industry, you can't stay on top of what all the latest trends are. So right. certainly if you get, we say a suspicious email, but even an unexpected email, someone is asking you something and you didn't expect them to be asking you that. Trust your gut, take a breath. Mm -hmm. um, and then we always say verify, right? Verify some other way, not by emailing them, but do a known phone number, right? Um, if it's something from a brand or your bank, log into your bank account, log into Amazon. Are they really um, asking you to dispute a charge? Uh, so there are ways you can always verify. You know, and I think um, the, the final advice would be do not act um, if, if you are suspicious because mm -hmm. if it is real, they will contact you some other way, right? Or they, they will find a way um, to do to get to you when, if they need some information. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you get an email from, we always tell people this, if you get an email from Amazon that seems to be telling you that something's wrong with your payment, just go log into your account online. Don't use the email in any mm -hmm. way. Make sure that things are checking out and then follow up with them if you need to. Right, right. So verify. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. Um, good advice for for spies as well. Mm -hmm. um, we always have a James Bond theme here. So I wanted to ask you, uh, do you have a favorite Bond gadget? Ooh, I do love the uh, the Lotus submarine car from The Spy Who Loved Me. Oh. Is like reaching back a bit. Okay. Yeah, I love the uh, I love the Aston Martin. Obviously, like the Aston Martin is my favorite gadget. But the <laughs> fact that you can have a car that turns into a submarine is just like it's a cool thing. <laughs> I would love to have a car like that. <laughs> <laughs> Find a lot of use for that, huh? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you, John. Um, and you can watch any of our uh, po video podcasts on Media Connect by searching for My PS with Love, or you can listen to them on any of the major podcast platforms. Thanks. Thanks, guys.